This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for tonight. We want to thank you for the celebration. We want to thank you for what you've done in our lives. We want to thank you, Father. This is a time such as this. Thank you this time for our visitation. Thank you, Father. We're going from glory to glory. Thank you, Father, from faith to faith. Thank you, Father. We will not leave tonight without being changed and touched by the glory of God. Father, we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll rise up big with him in my mind and you'll speak through my lips of claim. And I declare that I am a servant ready to be used by the master. I thank you that I'll declare your word fearlessly, boldly, accurately, carried by the wind of the spirit. Thank you for fresh revelation. Thank you for fresh anointing. Thank you, Father, that we at Christian Family Church worldwide are not only hearers of your word, but we doers of your word. And we thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. A few Weeks ago, my husband and I were blessed with a trip to Italy. And yes, we thank the Lord. Some, a, a few couples, two couples paid for us to go to Italy. And it was a trip of a lifetime. It was really out of our comfort zone and out of our routine. And we were so grateful to the Lord. So I had to prepare my messages way in advance. So I prepared this message about two months ago. And last night, Tim's story he preached some of my message. So I said to my husband last night, okay, he's preaching my message. And then he said to me, Bev, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So God obviously has this message on his heart and his mind for each and every one of us. So I want us to open our hearts and minds tonight and let's trust the Lord that this is a message from his heart to us tonight. So on the afternoon of the 24th of August, 70 AD, there was a mountain, a volcanic mountain, outside the city of Pompeii in Italy by the name of Mount Vesuvius. On the 24th of August, this volcanic mountain shot up a stream of ash right miles into the air. The next day, this volcanic mountain erupted and the lava flowed out of its, its uh, mouth, killing the citizens of Pompeii. The busy streets of Pompeii that August evening were filled with visitors from all around Rome who were trying to escape the Roman summer. Now, if you go to the city of Pompeii, you see they have many restaurants on the outside and they, they like to eat outside and they love to have shows, amphitheater, they have live theaters. And so the streets were filled with people enjoying themselves on vacation. Many of them were buying the famous pottery that you can get at Pompeii and then others, they had gone to the opulent uh, bars or we, we would call the modern day spas to be refreshed. And then there were some people who decided they were going to go home and have an early night and refresh themselves for a day that never came. There was no eyewitnesses of the account, but it is recorded there were, that it was a 750 degree Fahrenheit cloud of hot gases that swept down the mountain 
and enveloped the town in killing all the residents and holiday visitors almost instantly from thermal shock. While lava poured into Pompeii, clouds of ash rained down, burying everything, including buildings of the town, under 75 feet of volcanic ash. Such was the devastation that the Roman government decided they were going to leave the town and all the victims buried under the lava of Mount Vesuvius. Centuries later, historians and archaeologists have excavated Pompeii and they found bodies that were huddled together, huddled in buildings, huddled in their beds, in streets, dogs that were chained to posts, babies in beds, a blissful population that was overwhelmed in an instant. Their lives ended in an instant. They were ever, forever halted from moving forward into the next day of their lives. But this was not a choice, family, that they had made to be locked into their past. But so many of us amazingly do just that. We cannot look beyond a decision, an event, or a situation, a, pl a place, or a catastrophe that keeps us in the past, that hinders every day of our future. But the good news is we do not need to remain frozen in a moment or season of our lives during which we were hurt, offended, or disillusioned, or shattered. But family, we have the choice to move on. The citizens of Pompeii did not have the choice to move on. They were frozen in time. But praise God, family, we have the choice not to be frozen in our past. We have the choice to move on into God, into a great future that God has for us. There's not a better example in the Bible of someone who's been paralyzed by the past, that was unable to embrace their future, as found in the story of Lot's wife. The Bible even says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Do you remember Lot married a woman perhaps just after they moved out of Haran and Lot was Abraham's uh, nephew? When he married this woman, this woman knew that she was marrying into a godly, righteous family. I'm sure Lot and his wife had dinner, barbecues, fries with Abraham and Sarah. So they knew what kind of people, she knew what kind of people they were. Godly people, upright people, righteous people. And then Lot made a decision, a destiny-defining decision to go and live near the town called Sodom and Gomorrah, which was a wicked town. God said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. But God was going to rescue Lot out of a situation that was going to have destruction. And that is the heart of God for us. He is always going to make a way out of a destruction so we can have a future that is bright and he's got plans for us. And so God sent two angels and told the angels, go and get Lot, get his wife, get their children, get them out of this uh, city and town because I'm going to destroy it. The angel said to Lot, we've got to hurry up, we've got to go. And so Lot said, well, then let me quickly go to, can I run to a little village near a town called Zor? And of course the angel said, yes, but we've got to hurry up. And so they were running, but there was one stipulation from God and God said, you may not look back. But what happened while 
Lot and his daughters were hurrying to their destiny, hurrying to their future, hurrying to what God had for them, hurrying to the future plans, their destiny. What happened? We find out that Lot's wife was lingering behind, and then she decided that she would glance back. She looked back at her past, and then she was, had the same destruction as Sodom and Gomorrah. Here was a woman who chose not to embrace her deliverance, not to embrace her future, not to embrace her destiny, not to walk by faith. She only walked by sight. One death look, that's temptation. Temptation is a death look. She was so close to her destiny. She was so close to freedom. She was so close to deliverance, so close to a new way of life. Yet she perished and she died and she turned into a pillar of salt. Why? Because she was stuck in her past. And because she was stuck in her past, it cost her her future. She chose to be stuck in the past. She had an opportunity to go forward, but she chose to be stuck in the past. Even though she was out the wicked city, the wicked city was not out of her. Family, when we come out the world, let us be out the world. Let us not have the world in us. We are to be a light to the world, but we are not meant to be of the world. So she chose the past and it destroyed her. This woman's experience is a timeless illustration that backward focus paralyzed her. And if we have backward focus, it will paralyze us. She got in stuck in the desert of yesterday. But hallelujah, none of us are going to be stuck in the desert of yesterday. Hallelujah, we're going forward into the glory of God. You know, we look in the Bible and we see amazing heroes. We see Moses, we see Paul, we see David, and we see uh, different men who, like Jacob, they were such great men of God, but yet each and every one of them could have been derailed from their purpose and their destiny if they kept on looking at the mistakes they had made in their past. You take, for example, uh, Paul. Paul was a mighty man of God who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, yet he did such horrible things prior to his conversion. We know that he was at the stoning of Stephen. We know that before he had a, a, a saw to Paul experience, he wreaked havoc in the churches. He entered every house. He dragged off men and women. He committed them to prison. He even admitted, I persecuted the church even to death. But yet this mighty apostle, who was so capable of leading Gentiles to the Lord, who had so many signs and wonders in his life, openly confessed that he persecuted the church beyond measure. You look at Moses, a mighty deliverer, leader, lawgiver, a prophet, but he also had a past. He was 40 years of age, and you know, he killed, he murdered an Egyptian. And while he was burying the corpse, someone saw him, and so he fled to Midian, and he was there as a fugitive for 40 years. We usually think of Jacob as a great prayer warrior. He saw the angels ascending and descending from heaven. We, saw, we worship today the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Jacob had a past. 
He was a deceiver. He stole his brother's inheritance. He was caught in a web of trickery and theft. Think about King David, the mighty king, the author of the Psalms, the mighty warrior loved by all, the greatest king in the Bible. Yet he took another man's wife, Bathsheba. He sent Uriah, her husband, to his death. The prophet Nathan said that this declared, he, the prophet Nathan declared this a double sin because it gave great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Do you know when we sin, it gives our enemy an opportunity to blaspheme the Lord. Yet David became a man after God's own heart. If Moses, Paul, David, and Jacob had resigned themselves to their failures, we might have never heard about them again. But Moses rose up to become one of God's greatest heroes. Jacob faced his sins. He was reunited with his brother that he had cheated, and he went to new heights of victory. We know that David ran to the altar of God and he repented. And we know that he had a heart after God and became one of the greatest kings in the Bible. I believe, family, that we can overcome the pain of the past. We can overcome any situation that we have been through. Our failures, we can overcome them. We're not going to allow the devil to keep us down any longer because God wants to give us something fresh and something new in our lives. And I believe we can overcome all our failures and all our mistakes because God wants to do a new thing in our lives. God wants to do a new thing in our lives. God wants to do a new thing. Say new thing. Isaiah 43, 16 in the Message Bible says, this is what God says, the God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lie down and then they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. But look what God says, forget all that. What's happened? Don't keep going over old history. Don't keep going over old history. He said, be alert, be present, because I'm about to do something brand new in your lives. Glory to God. Isaiah 43, verse 16, the New Living Translation says, I am the Lord. I'm the one who opened a way through the waters. I made a dry path through the sea. I call forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. But look, verse 18, but forget all that. Forget that. It is nothing. Say nothing. Compared to what I'm about to do. Hallelujah. It is nothing compared to what I'm about to do in your lives. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 19 says, For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Look at the magnitude of that miracle. The magnitude of that miracle. Behold, Isaiah 43, 19 says, I will do a new thing. Now, everybody say now. 
God wants to do a new thing in our lives now. God wants to do a new thing in our church now. God wants to do a new thing in our finances now. God wants to do a new thing in our children now. God wants to do a new thing in our churches now. God wants to do a new thing in South Africa now. God wants to do a new thing in our lives now. God wants to take us from glory to glory now. God wants to do a new thing in our lives now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, now as in immediately, now as in straight away, now as in on the double, now as in right away. Oh, family, we don't sing how great thou was. We sing how great thou art. Don't think for one moment just because God is millions and billions of years old that he's in a rocking chair in heaven saying, oh, Jesus, you know, I remember the days when I made the world. I spoke the world. Those were good old days, Jesus. I even spoke to the fish that just wanted Jonah, told him to spit him up. Oh, those were the good old days. Do you remember, Jesus, when I made the world? Wasn't that a great time in our lives? But I'm just so old in my rocking chair. No, God has not lost his power. He is almighty. He is all powerful. He is all, he is all together. Lovely one, he is El Shaddai. He is going to make things new. He has not lost his power. He wants to do something new in our lives. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He is all powerful. He is almighty. And he wants to do miracles for us. But it's time for us, family, as a church, it's time for us as individuals to make up our minds. I'm going to get unstuck from my past. I'm going to, not going to be chained to my past any longer. I'm not going to look back. Family, it's time for us to look forward to our future because our future in God's hands will eclipse the past. Our future in God's hands will eclipse the past. Stop looking back. Are you exhausted? Are you tired? Under the weight of things that are holding you down. Are you ready for a fresh new start? Are you ready for a new beginning? Are you ready to give all your cares and your worries to the Lord? Are you ready to give all your anxieties of, to the Lord? Let's not evaluate what God is going to do in our future based on our past. You might say, Pastor Babe, you don't know when I got born again. Wow, God seemed to answer my prayers. I got so many miracles. But as I've grown on and I've been going with the Lord for quite a while, I just have gone through so many difficult experiences, wilderness experience, so many challenges and trials. But remember what the message Bible says. It says, don't keep going over your history. You know what, family? Some of us have got master's degrees in our history. We rehearse it, we nurse it, we curse it, we think about it, and we live in there. We don't give God a chance to change our future. We reminisce the good old days. Oh, I remember back in the good old days. You know, when I was, there's me. There's me. Look how young I was. There's me and there's me. But, you know, I was a champion netball player. I got my colors. I, got, I played for my school. I played for Natal. I played for South Africa. That was 45 years ago. The good old days. 
God help me. If I think I'm still all that in a bag of chips, we should really have moved on from the past. The good old days, family. I believe our past must pale in comparison to what God is going to do in our future. Our past must pale in comparison to what God is about to do in our future. On June the 5th, 2002, there was a young girl by the name of Elizabeth Smart. She's 14 years old. She was a daughter of a close-knit family. In fact, they were um, Mormons. And she was kidnapped one night out of her bedroom by a crazy man by the name of David Mitchell. She was chained. She was imprisoned. They were kept her in the woods. And he told her that he, she was his second wife. And so for nine months, he repeatedly abused her, sexually abused her, and kept her chained like an animal for nine months. She was miraculously rescued. But what impressed me so much about this story was what her mother said to her. Now she's 15 years old. This is what the counsel was of her mother. Her mom sat down and told her how she felt about the man who kidnapped her daughter. She said he was the most wicked and evil man and there could be no, other, no words to describe his wickedness. However, she said something that impacted my life when she spoke to her 15-year-old daughter. She said, daughter, today you have a choice. You can decide whether this wicked man is going to steal another hour, another day, another month, another moment of your life. Or are you going to choose to go for counseling I know you're going to choose to get on with your life with joy, peace, and happiness. This daughter said, she, this mother said she was exhorting the daughter that no matter how painful her past was, how scary it was, she had a day, a new day to choose freedom. Today, Elizabeth Smart is happily married with two children, and she refuses for her past to imprison her future. Many people have said to her, we remember you as the kidnapped girl. She said, people remind me all the time that I was a kidnapped girl. She says, but being kidnapped did not define who I am. And family, we have got to come to a decision today that we're not going to look back at all our faults, our failings, the disappointments, what people have done to us. Whether they didn't keep their word. Do you know so many people, as a pastor, you'll know people say, I promise I'll come to church. They don't. I promise I'll tithe. They don't. I promise I'll come and meet you at 9 o'clock. They don't pitch up. And sometimes you might get think, gosh, you know, you can't have your faith in people. You've got to put your faith in the Lord. But have you ever thought of what it's like to be God? God, okay, Lord, if you just get my marriage right, I promise I will serve you. Lord, if you heal me, I promise I'll go to church. Father, if you give me money and pay my bills, I promise you, Lord, I will tithe. And do you think anybody keeps their word? The majority of Christians don't keep their word. But you know what? God hasn't given up on us. God's still using his faith that we are going to step up. We are going to use our authority. We are going to tithe. We are going to serve God. We are going to witness. God has not given up on us. If God hasn't given up on us, we can't give up on us either. 
Because God wants to do a new thing in our lives. Don't live in the past. Don't live under condemnation. We've all made mistakes. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The Lord tells you, family, each and every one of us. He says, I've got plans. I want to prosper you in every area of your life. I want you to be above all things. I want you to prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. I want to give you plans. I don't want to harm you. I want to give you a hope and a future. Family, God wants to give you a life of a hope and a future. He says, but then you'll call on me and you come to pray to me. And he said, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to open my arms. I'm going to open my ears. I'm going to hear you. When you seek me, you're going to find me with all your heart. He said, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. So God is about to do a new thing in our lives. He wants to do a work of revival in our nation. He wants to do a work of revival in our hearts. He wants to do a work of restoration in your lives. I believe that our end is going to be greater than our beginning. I believe the glory of the latter house will exceed the glory of the former house. I believe God is going to do a new thing in our lives tonight. God is coming back for a glorious church. And family, I believe each and every one of you are going to rise up and become the glorious church. And I see the the Lord has already begun to do a new thing in your life. Lift up your vision. See what God has got for you. He has got a future plan for you that is good and full of favor, full of joy, full of happiness, a destiny for you. He wants to do a new thing in your son's life, in your daughter's life. He's going to bring your son-in-law in, your daughter on land. He's going to do a new thing in your finances. He's going to do a new thing in your body. He's going to do a new thing in your family because God is raising up a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Don't see yourself as a failure. See yourself getting out of this situation. See yourself happy. Hallelujah. I'm getting out of that situation. Hallelujah. See what you believe. Oh, I thank you, Jesus, that visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. God wants to do a new thing in our churches. Oh, pastors, if we have been discouraged by people, do not worry about people. Let's just keep on praising God and God will look after his people. Hallelujah. God's going to do a new thing in our family. God's doing a new thing in our children's lives. Our children will, who are backslidden, they're coming home in the name of Jesus. I can tell you right now, they're coming home in the name of Jesus. Our sons and daughters, they shall be saved in the name of Jesus. Bondages are broken in the name of Jesus. Bondages will be broken over your children's life, over your husband's life, over your family's life in the name of Jesus. Addictions will be broken in the name of Jesus. Poverty and lack, poverty and lack will be a thing of the past in the name of Jesus. Your body will walk in the divine healing that God has created to walk in the name of Jesus. God is adding to this church such should be saved in the name of Jesus. There's a fresh anointing on our country. There's a fresh anointing on our land. There's a fresh anointing on the people of this land. There's a fresh anointing on the pastors. There's a fresh anointing on our lives because God is doing a new thing. We are a custom-made people, and we're made to praise the Lord. We are a custom-made people. We're going to praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, because He has done a new 
new thing in our lives. Hallelujah. Let's give Lord the praise tonight. Hallelujah. Is there a new thing? Glory to God. Hallelujah. New thing in our lives. New thing in our families. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.